For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back, folks, here for the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. We're coming at you with a week three stock watch podcast. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by two NFL Draft analysts, Ryan Roberts and Alex Gilstrap, part of RiseandDraft.com. If you're looking for in-depth analysis and also a fantastic database, the best database out there, head on over to RiseandDraft.com. So today, folks, we are three weeks into college football. That means it's a perfect timing to do a stock watch episode. We're going to do this every few weeks, probably every three weeks, maybe a little bit more. Once we have a comfortable sense of some of these recognizable prospects that we can dive into and provide some feedback on and also just share our general thoughts on guys that are doing well enough that they've put themselves in a strong perspective or in a very questionable one. Before we get into that, though, folks, I just need to really quickly tell you about Bet Online. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back onto the start uh, to start another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one sport for all of the pro and college football action this season, with a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests. Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just by signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. Bet online the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, guys, how's everybody doing? It's a great Sunday that we're hopping in here to record the show. How, how are you guys doing? Alex just got back from rafting. How, how was that? Man, it was fun. Never been uh, whitewater rafting before, but uh, it was pretty fun. It was cold. Uh, it's not <laughs> probably the best season uh, to be whitewater rafting, but it was a lot of fun. Ryan doesn't seem entertaining. Is it in Georgia, Alex? No, we went State up to Georgia. we went up to North Carolina, Ooh. so it was a it was a little bit of a longer trip. I was about to say nothing good happens in Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in Georgia, you get to see Stetson Bennett play play, uh, play quarterback. That's that's always great stuff. Dude, the best, probably the best quarterback rating of all time, though, is Stetson Bennett. And, so. and that's all he's going to ever get to put up on his wall is the <laughs> best quarterback rating of all time in a random college game. <laughs> so today we're talking about accomplishments in, in a way where we're going to be discussing first stock up guys that have really proved themselves as top players in this class or just at least put themselves on a bigger radar. We're not we're not talking too many quarterbacks today, if, if any. But I, I want to head to Alex first for the first time. Alex, you went with Jaquan Brisker as your first stock up guy. I, I need to hear why as he's is as he's your pick. 
Yeah, well, I'm don't not to not to spoil anything, but there's a common denominator uh, for all of our stock watch up guys between me and Ryan, and and we'll, we'll get into that as we we kind of talk about each one. But uh, Jaquan Brisker, safety, Penn State. Um, simply put, Penn State's probably had the hardest schedule to this point in college football, playing Wisconsin at Wisconsin Week One, and then of course having Auburn uh, this past weekend come into their house. Um, he simply has just been making plays left and right. And especially as the game nears close, he seems to be have that clutch factor. He had the game winning interception against Wisconsin as they were in the red zone um, in their you know drive to kind of keep put themselves on top, had that key interception, uh, jumping the seam right over the middle. And then, you know, here in the Auburn game, he was he made the the pass deflection, almost had another interception to end the game on the last play of the game against Auburn. And outside of those two plays, he's just been a versatile chess piece, you know, whether he's playing man up. I saw this a lot against Auburn playing man up, press coverage on the slot, uh, and, and seemed to have, you know, very, very good success at that point, um, you know, in that position. And he's just really been physical, and he's been showcasing his ability to make plays on the football. And, you know, we talked a lot about Verone McKinley um, out of Oregon. Had another great week this week. I, I, You know, just this safety class is really, really shaping up to be a historic one for you know that position group specifically. So Jaquan Brisker and I had to give a little shout out. You know, we talked a lot about him last week, Rome McKinley. Um, but you could definitely put him in this category as well. Did we pick all Big Ten players? That's it. That's 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 the. Oh my the god! I think we did. Well, no, no, no. Oh, yeah. I, There's one guy that's a big tech, Big Twelve slash SEC player that Alex picked. Well, no, for that for the stock oh, ups, you might be. Cor- I believe you are guy. correct. Yes. Yes. I, as soon as Alex said it, I was trying to figure out what the uh, common denominator was, and then that obviously popped out. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. I, I like the mention of Verone McKinley. He was actually a guy that I was considering doing for the stock yeah. up, just because you know I think it's for, for much more from a national media perspective. Because I think I gave him an early three. I think that he's firmly in the day two category. So is he really stock up comparative to where maybe some people have him, maybe not, but from a national media perspective, I think not enough people know about Verone McKinley, but as far as Brisker, I think he's really interesting. Um, I don't know if you got this vibe, Alex, but like watching him just kind of in real time, he, it's a little bit of a lazy comp to a degree because they both played at the same college, but he reminded me a little bit of Adrian Amos that came out of Penn State a little bit. Like, True too high guy. I don't think that you could ever pencil him in perfectly as a strong safety or as right. a free safety. Like he is a mul- multiplicative, versatile piece on the back end that you mentioned the plays that he's able to do, whether it's in man at times in the slot or playing that playing that mid hole and having the interception against Wisconsin late in the game. Like he's asked to do a little bit of everything for Penn State. He has a good physical profile. He brings some thump in the run game. So I think he's a very interesting football player as a guy that's like that real too high safety that can roll down, can roll back over top, play some, play some middle of the field, but pr- probably more of a short zone type of man uh, safety at the next level. So really interesting guy. I took my first guy to it, the offensive line for Minnesota, Daniel Falele, who was a guy that we've been talking about for a couple of years because 2019 was his – Second full year as a star, or sorry, 2019 was his yeah second full year as a starter after playing a ton as a true freshman. So heading into the 2021 process, or the 2020 season, a lot was expected of him. 
because he's 6'8", 6'9", listed, 300 pounds. I think is verified as a hair over 6'8", and he's got 35-inch arms. So he is a humongous guy. He was 400 pounds, apparently, as a true sophomore going into his junior year. With everything that happened, COVID-19 related, Big Ten related, he ended up opting out of the 2020 season, comes back this year, and he has a huge weight loss. I think he's playing right around 370 pounds, so he lost like 30 pounds heading into the 2021 season. And I have to be honest, like going into last year's cycle, I didn't love the tape going back to 2019. I wasn't a fan. I really wasn't. I understood the tools, and I understand that those tools are going to get him drafted high. And I think he had a mid-second round grade from Blesto coming into the season. So he's well-regarded already despite not playing last season. But I just actually watched, got done like a couple minutes ago, the Ohio State game. And I must say, first game of the season, he is a completely different football player than he was a couple years ago, which is to be expected for a guy. Came over from Australia, played at IMG Academy for two seasons, but technically one true playing at IMG Academy. So he's brand new to football. He's only been playing a couple years. And he was dominant against Ohio State, to be honest, man. He was displacing gaps. They weren't able to get around him in pass protection. He's got a really smooth kick slide. They asked him to... 45-degree set, vertical set, uh, power. He does a little bit of everything. And it's still not perfect, but the improvements that I saw from 2019 to where we are now after missing a season, I think this kid has first-round potential. I think it is absolutely there. I think second round might be a little low because if he shows this improvement throughout the entirety of the season, combined with the physical traits he has, I mean, this kid is six foot eight plus. 370 with vines and he can move this guy's not just a big dude like he is a really nice mover I think a lot of guys are probably going to see Jordan Mylata, who starts for the Eagles now at left tackle from a size perspective from a just projection perspective because he's also an Australian that was late to the game so I was a fan of what I saw from Felele I think that he had great improvements and I'm excited to see him you know he passed the test against Ohio State with a couple talented pass rushers um Excited to see the rest of the Big Ten slate and hopefully a bowl game against another good opponent because I think that he is really passing the test so far early in the season. Yeah, you you said he wasn't perfect. And simply put, when you have the size and the physical tools that you you kind of touched on there, you don't really have to be perfect. And I think that's why you've seen such early success in 2021. He's been, over the last couple of years, one of the more interesting uh, obvious NFL prospects that we knew we were gonna, uh, you know, have to keep an eye on over the next couple of years because, like you said, he very raw at the position has only played football for a couple of years, starting at IMG uh, late um, in his football career. Kind of, you saw some of that rawness, and he's he's didn't play the 2020, 2020 season, so there's been a lot of question marks and a lot of uh, a lot of interesting intricacies. Interesting intricacies uh, with his Say career. That 10 times <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that's gonna be a tough one. But um, but he's just been he's been such an interesting study, and like you said, it, it it wasn't perfect in the Ohio State game, but you saw a lot of technical improvements in his game, and you you touched on what what brought him to the limelight. You know, a couple years ago, going in 
you know, as he was kind of coming up as a young guy at Minnesota was his size, six foot nine, 400 pounds. Like that's what he was listed at. And that's just absurd. I mean, we talked about Makai Becton just a couple years ago being a humongous offensive tackle. What was he? Three sixty five, like six foot seven. I mean, he was, yeah, yeah, something, something in that ballpark coming out. So we're talking about someone that, you know, had 35 pounds on him at one point. And like you, you touched on, he lost some weight and you kind of see that in his, his ability to move a little bit better. Um, you know, he, he seemed to fight power for power very well in 2019, the last time we saw him going into this season. But he really, really struggled against more of those athletic outside track rushers that we like to talk about. And I think, you know, that cut of weight that you touched on there is something that has been really beneficial to him in trying to, you know, garner that next step in his development. And he's looked really good. You have the physical tools that you have. And knowing that he's only played football for now what four years or so four or five years I mean this this guy's going to be a really interesting study and I'm and I'm confident that there's going to be offensive line coaches and and offensive coordinators in the NFL that are going to rave about this guy and want this guy in their building because they think that they have what it takes to get this guy to be an NFL all pro and I I hope I I think he's a Richard Jr. technically with the COVID year and all Mm -hmm. that good stuff but I will say uh, I hope – I think he was an early enrollee, so I really hope that he is a graduate in December because I want to see him in Mobile. I think that that would be a fantastic uh, – you know, because there's a couple nice pass rushers. Zach Harrison in the Big Ten, talking about George Karloftis and Aiden Hutchinson, all these dudes, but ju- I just want to see him against as much outside track rushers like you're talking about. I want to see him against speed because yeah. those guys are more based upon power. I think he'll do well against Karloftis, and I think he'll do well against Aiden Hutchinson because they're built off of power, and Zach Harrison even to a degree. I want to see him against those really loose, flexible outside rushers that have a lot of bend. I think that's a big test for him. So speaking on – Two guys that you just mentioned. We're going to end up talking about both of them. But the the first one that Alex highlighted here, Aiden Hutchinson, this one's, I think, pretty obvious for performance over the past three weeks. He has been highly talked about, it feels like, by everybody. And understandably, the, the two teams that they – or the three teams that they've played, Western Michigan, should probably dominate in that scenario. Northern Illinois should probably dominate – but the way that he played against Jackson Kirkland, and we talked a ton last week on that performance against Jackson Kirkland, who is supposed to be this super talented uh, offensive tackle from Washington, and he absolutely balled out. But now here we are talking again about Aiden Hutchinson, who decided to go back, and that ultimately might help his draft stock. And we're talking about again him again on week three. Alex, why'd you pick him? Yeah, I mean, you 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 hit it perfectly. It's really comes out of that performance that everyone with everyone in the draft community was keying in on, and that's Aiden Hutchinson versus Jackson Kirkland. This is a matchup, Pac-12 versus Big Ten. You don't see very often, um, so that already created some buzz. But when you have a prospect battle of two guys that I think are a consensus first round, you know, matchup. You know, if you if you take the law of average, if you get the average. Um, you know, kind of evaluation there. Aiden Hutchinson simply took his lunch money. And I know we talked about it already, but this is someone that, you know, week in and week out has shown that not only does he have uh, the hand usage and the pass rush moves to get free and and keep his, keep his chest clean that like we saw with Jackson Kirkland, but this is someone that's expressed, has shown the ability to be a flexible athlete, you know, and we talked about this um, 
at length last week, me and Ryan did. So I don't want to go too deep into Aiden Hutchinson, but this is someone that we definitely have to talk about when we're talking about stock watch up because this is someone that has dominated his biggest matchup to this point. And there's going to be a couple more times throughout this season. He's going to face Rasheed Walker in Penn State, which is someone that um, people really, really like. Penn State's uh, tackle there and Ohio State tackles at the end of the year. He's he's going to have a chance to continue to build on that momentum that he's already created for himself early on in this season by continuing to go up against NFL talent at the offensive tackle position. And if he continues to play at the high level that he has to this point uh, in the season throughout those matchups as well, this is going to be a bona fide top 15 guy. Yeah, I I think – I mean, I I think that Aiden Hutchinson is just kind of fulfilling everything that most of us thought about him, which is he has tremendous length. He has a great power profile. He can play up and down the line of scrimmage. I don't think he is a true – Seven nine tech, where like, hey, he is going to play on the outside shade all the time, and he is going to be that true outside track guy. Like, I don't think that that's him. But I did hear a great comp on uh, Fran Duffy and Ben Fennel's podcast, where Ben compared him stylistically speaking to JJ Watt, who he is not your tradition. Like, he's he can play nine and seven at points, he but he's going to play. Five. He's going to play four eye. He's going to play inside of three at times. Like that's what Aiden Hutchinson brings to this football game. And that's what he brings to a team potentially is alignment versatility, rush versatility. That is his biggest selling point. And the ability for him to win against a guy like Jackson Kirkland, who was a lot of hype, think maybe some of it was a little over, over overstated to say the least. And I'm going to talk about him in a little bit, no, not to, uh, you know, to uh, let the cat out of the bag a little too early. But I do think that he has done everything that he needs to do coming back from the injury at the end of the year without quitting pay on the other side of him. The, you know, the microscope is firmly on him and he passed what is probably his biggest test all year. So good for Aiden Hutchinson. I think that he showed exactly what we thought of him going into last season before he decided to come back after the injury. Uh, doesn't really change my opinion on him a ton, but he is definitely taking advantage of the opportunity so far. So, Ryan, you've already clearly illustrated the, the guy that you're going to end up talking about as your last stock up player. He hasn't necessarily been tested from the first two opponents that he faced, Oregon State and Purdue. Notre Dame was probably, the, the this past week was probably the closest you're going to get from actually testing him. He's going to get the opportunity to face some really good ranked teams in Iowa, in Wisconsin, and also Ohio State. But George Karloftis looked very good against Notre Dame yesterday, and we exchanged a few messages when we were watching the game. Uh, Why did you pick him as your stock up? I actually put, and this is a great, this is awesome because me and Alex didn't talk about this, right? Like we just put it right in the dock. This is fantastic. Not only that we're talking about these guys back to back because they're both Big Ten guys. They both have that power profile, and they're both going to be compared a little bit down the stretch here. They absolutely are going to be compared, for one. And then, again, a, a, a coincidence here is a few days even before the game, I said, who would you prefer, mm-hmm. George Karloftis, or would you prefer Aiden Hutchinson? Aiden Hutchinson won that poll that I put up. It was pretty close. I think it was like 53 to 47. Like so, It was a pretty close poll. But for me – it's not even close, man. Like, I'll be honest. Like, it's not even close. George Karloftis, I think people have forgotten because he comes into his freshman year at Purdue, dominates, 17 tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks, fantastic stuff. He looks like he's the next next big thing. 
And then 2020 happens, abbreviated season, fighting injury, fighting COVID. He only plays in a couple football games, still has production, but also Purdue decided to go from a four-man front to a three-man front in 2020 for whatever reason. So he's playing like a base 3-4 defensive end, which didn't make any logical sense. This year, they're back to a 4-3. And I'll be honest, like the first couple games, didn't watch much of him, you know, just in passing a little bit. And he was very disruptive. But I think people are kind of overanalyzing the fact that he did not record a sack in the first two games. And they're like, what is going on? But I think he had like 12 or 13 pressures. So like he's disrupting the game. Like there's no doubt about it. He just hasn't recorded a sack. But he goes into this Notre Dame game. And all the things that I love about George Kaloftis was on full display against Josh Lugg specifically, the, the right tackle for Notre Dame, who was in fifth-year senior. So he's kind of been around the block a little bit, first full year as a starter. But like, it's not like he's a freshman that was just thrown into the fire against George Karloftis. George Karloftis is 6'4", 280 pounds, physical profile. Obviously, he is a true power rusher. He is a converter, and there's no doubt about that. But then he's got a little more looseness than you think, and he's got some closing bursts that is unreal for a guy that size. And you saw it was almost back-to-back plays where – he got Lug lunging on one. He shows a little bit of hip flexibility. He's able to just do a quick arm over, get easy pressure, gets a big hit on Jack Cohn. It was like two snaps later, uh, two pass rush snaps later. I think the next one, he you know, he forced him out of the pocket, so he did his job. Joe, Joe thinks that he, pan- he got pancaked. He did get pancaked. Like he did do his job, but he also no, got put on his really, ass. Not really, Joe. Not really, Joe. He did no, his- Joe, because because Cohen broke the pocket. If he didn't break the pocket, he never would have gotten put on the ground. He still got put on the ground, though. That's, get put on the ground is getting put no, on the ground. No, no, it's, no, no. You're a long snapper. You don't get it. You just Getting put on the ground is getting it. No, I totally get it. Getting put on the ground is getting put on the ground. No. All right. Anyway. Anyway. So he did his job on that snap. Then I think it was a very nice pass rush snap, man. He... He went three steps up the arc, and he put his outside foot in the ground, and he absolutely annihilated. Went straight down Lug's chest and put him flat on his back for the sack. And he was like that all day in the run game, in the pass game. He was a menace, man. And I am telling you right now, do not look at the box score and compare these two football players and say, slam dunk Aiden Hutchinson, man. Go watch George. He is disruptive. And the difference between the, the fact is that Michigan has a more talented defense. Like, let's call it what it is. George Karloftis is the dude. Everybody knows he's the dude. He is the main focal point. The first play against Notre Dame, they put a tight end on him, and then they also chipped him with a running back on the very same play. So they basically had three guys predicated to stop one football player on Purdue. I'm here to tell you, George Karloftis, top 10 player in the 2022 class, Jody Leon, top 10 football player. Fantastic. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing no, like with that. I just, he got put on his ass. That's simple as that. I don't want to hear you, you man. You could be a top 10 player and get put on your ass. It's <laughs> it's possible. Context. <laughs> Y'all are funny, man. No, I, I like it. Uh, you know, and it, it's really good to, you have to, everything has context, like you said. And we talked about this a lot last year. And let's go back to last year. Jason Owe or Odafe Owe, whatever, you know, whatever. When did that happen, by the way? I I think it was like right after he got drafted, he changed his, what he wanted to be called. So Jason Owe, Odafe Owe, uh, didn't record a sack in the 2020 season and was a first round pick because of traits and, and obviously pressures were not an issue for him. Comes in week one of his, 
uh, NFL debut against the the Vegas Raiders. Has two quarterback uh, hits, a sack. He records his first NFL sack. It was never an issue about getting in, creating disruption, and getting in the backfield. Sometimes things just don't go your way, and and to this point, like you said with Carl Loftus, it just hasn't gone his way as far as the box score goes. But he has been a disruption uh, to this point. I haven't watched too much of it, but if you look at the numbers, he's like you said, he's he's at a dozen or so quarterback pressures on the year. So, um, you know, Carl Loftus is someone that we all knew was going to be a dominant force in college football this year. He hasn't quite got the box score going quite yet, but. Um, you know, it, it'll come as Carl Loftus. He's, he's a great college football player. Like you said, he's a first round caliber football player, undoubtedly. And uh, you're talking about top 10 that very well may be the case. So, uh, you know, but first of October, he has Daniel Falele and, uh, Carl Loftus are going to go head to head. So you're two stock up guys. Someone's going to come out of that a winner and someone's going to come out a loser. I'm excited to see, uh, what, ma- what's made of that. All right, we're going to get to some stock down, guys. Before we do, though, folks, I just want to tell you about Play Action Pools, which is a fantastic contest that we're doing here at Believe. We're partnering with PlayActionPools.com this season to bring you some interactive fun to the sport that we love most. You'll be able to get in on the action with our PlayActionPools.com Football Pick'em Challenge, which is open to everyone. Sign up for our contest, Believe Football Pick'em at PlayActionPools.com. And then get your picks in each week. We're going to select the 10 highest profile games of the week between the NFL and college football. Whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. Again, go to playactionpools.com and sign up for the contest. Believe B-L-E-A-V football pick them. And if you plan on hosting your own football contest, go to playactionpools.com today. They've got survivor pick them as well as a cool sportsbook style concept called Build your bankroll. PlayActionPools.com, your new home for all of your office sports pools. All right, guys, stock down. Let's get to a few players that catch your eye. And, you know, in terms of negative impacts, Alex, you decided to go with a player that has generated some buzz. DeMarvin Overshone, who comes in as a, a talented player for Texas They've played only one real reputable team. Louisiana and Rice are the two non-recognizable ones. But Arkansas was a game where a guy like him was supposed to step up. Why did you pick him for Stockdown? So, like you said, Rice, Louisiana, Lafayette. Didn't really watch those games, but the one game that I feel like a lot of people watched and and a lot of people are going to circle and come back to when, when evaluating Overshone and, you know, the players on this Texas team is the Arkansas game. That's That's been the big game to this point. There's some playmakers on the offensive side of the football at Arkansas. Obviously, uh, SEC team, they're going to want to see how he did there. And I watched the majority of that game, and he's credited with four missed tackles. I can't believe it's not ten. I feel like every <laughs> single time I saw him in position to make a play, he did not finish the finish the play. He was missing tackles left and right. Um, so four missed tackles in that game. He's, he's, he came into it. He's a safety convert. We've talked about him before. He was someone I was low on, uh, coming into the year when we were talking about the linebacker show, um, someone that I just didn't get the hype with. And look, he's small. He's, he's, he's supposed to be this playmaker, this Isaiah Simmons, this Jeremy Chin. That's, that's what everyone wants to be nowadays is, is that mold of player. And I think that's what they're trying to do for Overshone, and that's what people that are creating hype for Overshone 
are looking at him as is that next guy. But I see him more as a tweener than a versatile playmaker. If that if that makes any sense, if that makes any sense, he has a size of a safety. He just at his length, two hundred twenty three pounds isn't bad. But when you're six foot four with vines, like he's just thin. He's frail, and you see that when he goes to make plays. Uh, you know, on ball carriers as a tackler. And he just does not finish plays with physicality very well at all. This is someone that, I, yeah, he's a, he's a pretty good defender. He's got, like I said, great length and everything else. A coverage defender, I should say. But linebacker, first job. We talked about this a couple years ago, Ryan, when me and you first started getting off. It's like, what is a linebacker's primary job? And his primary job is to fill the run, to fulfill his duties Always. as a run defender because a linebacker is a run defending uh, you know, defender first before he's he's a uh, you know trying to work in the pass game, and obviously you know the rise of some of these linebackers, Darius Leonard, Fred Warner, some of these smaller guys that just do so well in coverage have have kind of been at the forefront of your mind as far as like the modern NFL linebacker. It still doesn't take away the fact that he has to be a physical presence in the run game. And he just isn't at this point. Like I said, four missed tackles he's credited with against Arkansas. It it felt like so much more. This, this is someone that seemed to be exposed in that SEC matchup, play in and play out throughout the entirety of the game. So I just have not seen the physical growth that I was hoping to see from the 2020 season to the 2021 season. And I, I'm seeing a lot of the same stuff that I saw over over the summer that made me a lo- lower on them than the rest of the crowd. I've had this debate along uh, for several years, kind of like what you're saying. We talked about it a couple years ago. It, linebackers have to stop the run, man, to get drafted high. They have to. They have to. I mean, you, you just this past year, I think it's a perfect example. Everybody lost their minds over Jabril Cox and Baron Browning. They lost their minds. Oh, they could be first-round picks. They could be this. They could be that. They were coverage-specific linebackers who can't stop the run. And guess what? The NFL didn't value those guys until the third round. They didn't value them until then, man, because at core, to be drafted high as a linebacker, you have to be able to impact every down. If you can't, then you're not getting drafted high. And I think that that's where we're at with Overshone. I had a third-round grade for him. I think the tools are fantastic, but I don't think that he's a guy that's going to rise into a top 45, 50 player. I don't think that that's in the cards for him unless he has a massive improvement towards the latter stages of the season. Because at the end of the day, he is he is a liability currently on running downs. There is potential. There is things to work with. But right now, there's I don't see a chance that he gets drafted high. And so I, I hate to, you know while you were talking, I pulled this up PFF grade for the Arkansas game. 30.2 overall oh, d- defensive grade. I, obviously, so PFF like, grades aren't everything, but 30.2 is telling to how bad he looked in that game, in my opinion. So, so I'm curious, the, the mm. PFF grade for uh, Mr. Jackson Kirkland, who Ryan is about to bring up here as his stock down on the show. Uh, Jackson Kirkland has had limited opportunities to prove himself. Montana and Arkansas State, and the one chance he had to, to show off and say, Hey, look what I can do against a premier NFL pass rusher, Aiden Hutchinson. He completely botched it. So does that fit along the lines of what you're getting at here, Ryan, why you think Jackson Kirkland has been pretty heavily stocked down so far? 
Joe, are you saying that Montana doesn't have any next level edge? Uh, they have so their whole defense is next level edge defenders. So don't talk down on Montana. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't talking down on Montana, man. I love Montana, but um, yes, yes. To answer your question, I, I think it was a perfect segue to this to Jackson Kirkland because Alex highlighted Aiden Hutchinson. Why did he highlight Aiden Hutchinson? Because in the biggest prospect versus prospect matchup probably to date in this season was Washington offensive tackle Jackson Kirkland against against Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan. Of course, we know who won that battle. And I think, and I, I remember saying this with their offensive tackle show, there are two guys I said in the offensive tackle list that I am willing to take in the first round right now. And we talked much about this. Sean Ryan and Evan Neal, those are the two guys. Jackson Kirkland, I think I had as my offensive tackle three, but I am I was day two on him. I'm not there with Jackson Kirkland. And I think that my, the the problems that I, the issues that I have with him, I think were highlighted against Aiden Hutchinson. One, there's no power profile right now for him. Like he cannot counteract the length and physicality that Aiden Hutchinson brought to the game. I don't see it. Now, I think he's a good athlete. I think he's good. I wouldn't say he's great. I think he's a good athlete. I think he's technically sound, but this man needs an overhaul in strength. So while I do think that he does have the potential to rise into a top 35-ish selection, I think that the talent is there. Right now, we saw the problems, the issues. With the Pac-12, you're not seeing a ton of guys that bring a power profile off the edge. In the NFL, you're seeing it every single week. So Jackson Kirkland's stock down for now. We'll see if he rebounds, but it was a not-so-flattering showing against Aiden Hutchinson in Michigan. Yeah, Joe, you asked uh, PFF grade 49.4 in that Michigan game. (laughs) So uh, as a pass-blocking grade. But yeah, it's like you said, just as much as Aiden Hutchinson was a winner coming out of that week, Jackson Kirkland was a loser, and that's why we're talking about both of these guys. We talked about them a couple weeks ago after uh, after that game, or last week after that game, I should say. Um, It's just... Someone that's going to have to majorly rebound in a Pac-12 where, aside from Oregon and Kayvon Thibodeau, there's not a ton of edge rush. Um, I mean, I guess Drake Jackson. I'm, I'm just low. Don't insult Drake, baby. Yeah. That's your boy. <laughs> it's not my boy. Um, but, you know, th- there's just week in and week out, you're not going to get the test that Aiden Hutchinson is opposite, you know, looking at offensive tackles from an edge rushing uh, perspective. So Jackson Kirkland's not going to have quite the opportunity to rebound, but this is someone that's going to have to if he wants to get his name back into that top 32 discussion. But I'm there with you. I had him as OT3 going into the season, but there was a clear division between those top two that you uh, touched on there and Kirkland for me. All right, folks, I think that's a good note to end us up on. Next week, we're going to probably get back to headlines, but every few weeks or so, we're going to keep doing these Stockwatch episodes. Thank you for tuning in. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you're listening to this on uh, your podcast provider. Five-star reviews. Follow us on social media at NFL Prospects Pod, at Rise and Draft, at Joe DeLeon, and at Alex Gillstrap, as well as at Believe Podcasts. Talk to you soon, folks. Enjoy the rest of your week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.